This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Greetings. This is Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm about to have a conversation. I, Master Plo, have you heard of this conversation? Yes, Kotor Obi-Wan. You're listening to Star Wars Conversations here indeed. Welcome to Conversations. I'm Charles. And I'm Pat, and this is Episode 80, The Dark Side, The Light, The Good and the Bad, The In-Between. You're reckless, little one. You never would have made it as Obi-Wan's Padawan, <laughs> but you might make it as mine. Ahsoka Tano, Part 2. Yes. And so if you haven't heard Part 1, which is yeah. over on the Black Spire Broadcast podcast, we spent a good amount of time exploring where Ahsoka Tano was first introduced. We certainly suggest that if you haven't heard part one, we will definitely link to that in our show notes. But tonight, of course, we have part two and we are extremely excited to have both of you back again. You tolerated us for part one. You're joining us for part two. You guys are troopers. Thank you so much for coming tonight. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Charles. We appreciate it. We're glad to be back. It has been forever. <laughs> yeah, it feels. I uh, see. To me, I disagree. I feel like it, it. I feel like we never stop talking. Right. Oh, well, that means a lot. Ago. I mean, that means a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So we skipped down on a couple things, I guess, with all of the tangents that we're <laughs> so drawn to all the time um, <laughs> through Black Spire's episode. So buckle up for many, many more. Uh, that being said, before we get on to the after prequel trilogy slash OT and uh, sequel trilogy era Ahsoka, we're going to jump back to Rebels. <laughs> right. Perfect. We spent too much because time. Because I had to step out and I came back and I. Okay. So for those of you that are unfamiliar with David and Mary's situation. Uh, she is our mother hen. Yes. And when she steps out of the room, well, when the cat's away, the mice will play. So <laughs> the, the show got diverted into Hondo. Yes. It's very quickly <laughs> the episode of, of Ahsoka <laughs> became the episode of Hondo. I, I mean, can you blame us? Though? <laughs> no. Not to get back on Hondo. <laughs> Mary's here. Okay. okay. So Ahsoka. Yes. Rebels. World between worlds. Yes. Yeah. Here we are, which in our defense, the world between worlds transcends space and time. So we're not necessarily going back in time to talk about this, (laughs) but it's something we left out. I think it was so telling for Ezra to be in that world of worlds and to see the daughter, the bird over Mm. this mirror and him be drawn to going mm-hmm. and saving Ahsoka, right? Yeah. Um, so Ahsoka owes not only the daughter her life, but Ezra as well. Wow. Yeah, because she was about to be, uh, you know, 
Anakin's like 900th kill in that blade. Yeah. <laughs> right. Darth right. Vader and her were in it's the middle me. of the duel uh-huh. and you're you're put back into that duel and um Ezra pulls her out of it. About facing certain death. Well, I personally don't think that Vader could have killed her, but well, she sees Wait, the footage. You, you are about to see two pieces of Ahsoka if Ezra didn't show up. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, two of them. Oh, this is getting out of hand. Stop it. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, 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 yes, so Ezra uh, pops her out of that. Then she kind of is able to suspend that timeline. Mm. Yes. And be a part of the Rebels timeline, you know, ultimately pop back in i guess yes. i don't know how the world pop be- out, pop in. but it's important to know in that time space whatever they're in they face off with palpatine oh she yeah. shows up yeah and, um, and uh, you know she kind of holds her own a little um with the lightning and things like well, that well there was a lightning and, i'm not sure what power that well, was. yeah it was like it was it was like Hades from Hercules, smog, balloon flames yeah, coming through. I don't know. <laughs> I think the world between worlds is very um, surreal. Mm-hmm. So I think it's almost dreamlike in certain ways, where it's based in reality, but there's like some abnormal stuff going on. And it's certainly like a magical place. So I think all of that is like just stylized ways to like kind of delineate from the timeline you know Mm -hmm. and to kind of show these different different events but with a sort of flair that you know something's not quite right agree right it's like a multiverse yeah it is and i'm gonna take a bit of a probably unpopular approach to this Uh, right uh, now yeah and say that (laughs) if i had a word for ahsoka as a character and dave filoni creating her it was a risk because when she was introduced in the Clone Wars, as we talked about in part one, which was on the Black Spire podcast, she became a beloved character. And believe me when I say that Ahsoka is probably one of the top three Jedi in all of the entire Star Wars saga. That's how I feel about her. But I will say for a character who was never featured In a movie, they had a bookend, the introduction, but in the Clone Wars, and a bookend to get rid of her in Revenge of the Sith. Mm -hmm. They took a very big chance on introducing a character that became so beloved that they had to jettison her out of the storyline to make sense for the entire saga Mm -hmm. until they had control of the storyline 10, 12, 15 years after she was introduced. As Disney Plus, where they can now have a control over her and make her this yeah. more fantastic character. So much so that they introduced the world between worlds to pull her out of that. Not rescue her, but certainly give her a second life that none of us expected, but certainly appreciated. Exactly. Thank you, right? I mean, we talk about it being a negative all the time, but the fact that the films don't get to delve into every corner of what's going on because there's just not time for it in that two hour, two Mm -hmm. and a half hour time slot. There's a lot of stuff that is left out or could be perceived as left out. So to have a character 
as influential in the Clone Wars. That's one part of the story in one part of the galaxy, a major part of the galaxy. But in the grand scheme of things, when you look at Revenge of the Sith and how this character is alive at this point, all the interactions that you see between these other characters, it's not like they're sitting around a campfire like, I wonder what Ahsoka's up to. You know, <laughs> yes, they're yeah. busy and they're very stuff, yeah. preoccupied with war, with battles, with betrayal, with having babies and all sorts of stuff that's taken the forefront in this story. Again, you, you see the same thing with Rex. You know, mm. you don't hear Rex's name in Revenge of the Sith. Uh, you don't hear it in Return of the Jedi mm-hmm. or any of that. But right. you've got this character that has survived that time and been a part of things, but is sort of, you know, yes, it's revising the plot and it's retrofitted into the right. story and all, yeah. but does fit. If it's well. Yeah. The one concern I had with how she left the order in Clone Wars and and then you see her pop up in Rebels it's like, all right, cool. And then Clone Wars season seven, it's like, oh, Ahsoka's back, which is great. I love Ahsoka, but like they had an out for her not to be in Revenge of Sith. Yes. And now she's back. It's like now they have to have another out. She's <laughs> to have her not be in Revenge of Sith. True. That's true. So then they found another way out. The epilogue of Rebels talks about what she was up to in the time of the original trilogy. Yeah. So it excuses her from being one of the major players on film in the 70s and 80s, <laughs> way before she was even a thought. So they brilliantly employed the same tactics that we use when uh, talking about any given topic. And they take the long way around and, and <laughs> stop well Tangents and... <laughs> to make it work, but it works. It what does. I think happened is Ant-Man showed up, right? He's like, time I've got it. There you go. There you go. And then there was a blip. And then six years later, Return of the Jedi's over. Everybody came back. Yep. See? Came there back. you go. And it's all Disney, so we're good. Yep. Yep. That's why I went there. And thank goodness for Disney Plus and giving us this platform to yeah, Star Wars Plus. To I appreciate it. Expand. <laughs> all of this and to have the Ahsoka series be, you know, a talk and, Mm -hmm. and to have her come into the storyline where she should have been all along, right. in the book of Boba Fett in the Mandalorian, and you can kind of see her alongside Luke. And Mm -hmm. I think it's so awesome to be able to have this Avenue to expand her story. Oh yeah, for sure. And she's live action now. Oh, yes. So we had Ashley Eckstein as the voice of Ahsoka through the Clone Wars, Rebels, the novel, and, you know, the the little shorts that they did, the um, the, uh, Galaxy Adventures. Yeah, yeah. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, all that kind of stuff where she really, you know, embodied the character. And we, we spoke about that at length in a roundabout way on Black Spire Broadcast. However, there was like two camps. When they were talking about Ahsoka in live action. Oh, and there, yeah. were, there, there were people that were like, it's got to be Ashley because it's Ashley. Mm-hmm. Right. It always has been Ashley. And yeah, she's a voice actress, but she's also a live action actress. Mm-hmm. So there is no reason they couldn't have. But then you have the other side that says, does she visually fit? Mm-hmm. And 
could they have made her fit? Yeah, absolutely. But then when, when you're thinking about the facial features of the character and sort of the height of the character, if there was a live action Ahsoka when she first joined the Clone Wars, Ashley would be yeah. perfect size wise. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as she grows, the character gets taller. So there were certain things where, you know, the other the other side was, yeah, she's been the voice, but we've had people be the voice of characters boba fett for example you've got tim morrison and we're all used to hearing the clones and how they all speak in the clone wars mm-hmm. and it's d bradley baker it's not it's not tomorrow morrison so you're not necessarily tied to that voice yeah so then they end up uh ultimately going with rosario for the live action again they they could have gone either way would they have made a lot of people very happy and some people a little bit upset either way. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But no, you're not no going to have, exactly. You're not yeah. going to have both actresses portray the live action version. Right. No. You can't win with Star Wars fans. It's really, hard. no, you can't. <laughs> you look at James Arnold Taylor. He's played Obi-Wan Kenobi timeline wise more than you McGregor. Yeah. Right. But you McGregor is the, visual live action face of obi-wan kenobi yes we don't know james arnold taylor personally yet yet i mean we found his house but that's besides the point (laughs) (laughs) while he provided the voice of obi-wan kenobi for seven seasons of the clone wars ewan mcgregor is the visual live action face of obi-wan kenobi in the series and there was a movement online for getting James Arnold Taylor as the physical actor for Obi-Wan Kenobi for this Kenobi series. And yeah. even he said, and he acknowledged it in his podcast, look, I I love this attention, but this is not what it's about. It's about yeah. what's the best move for the entire franchise. Right. So Continuity. Yeah, exactly. But, but exactly. there was never a live action of Ahsoka. That's true. So it, yes, that's true. Oh, yeah. ha- yep. Not having the face you at least right. want the voice. And that's True. where I came from, where I was like, uh-huh. it has to be Ashley, you know? It, and if we get flashbacks in Obi-Wan, I, that's wishful thinking. But if we do get flashbacks in the Obi-Wan series, I would hope it would be Ashley cosplayed up as a young Ahsoka because the voice would match and yep. everything. But I don't know how well that would translate with Ahsoka being Rosario now. Would right. that make us mad? Would that make us... It would be a hard translation yeah. between how Ashley looks versus how Rosario. Rosario looks. Right. And I think with the character, the way she's matured, um, even you know from when we first see her in the Clone Wars movie to the end of Clone Wars and into Rebels, when she's, she's clearly very much an adult in Rebels. Right. Yeah. And she's been through some stuff. So she has some life experience that kind of grows her up mm-hmm. Right. and so so she does sound different by the time we see her in rebels and then you know we don't really hear her in the epilogue when she and sabine are off on uh where's ezra but the way that she presents herself the the way that she looks in that which is you know shortly after the Battle of Endor and the end of Return of the Jedi, um, that she's 
grown even more than she had through Rebels. And that so, parallels Luke's journey, in my opinion. Exactly. That is like, yeah. you watch Luke, I'm, I'm not going to call him annoying, but but some people could consider him annoying early on. You know, he's a, he's a teenager. Yeah, he's totally blind. It's not like, the beginning. right, but then, boom, by, by Jedi, he's, he's totally different. And then you start seeing him in the Mandalorian and, and, and on in Book yes. of Boba Fett, and you, that transition keeps happening. That's going to be Ahsoka. I think we're going to see more and more of that. Yeah. And I think she has matured tremendously. And there is a maturity in the way she presents herself in live action and in the way she sounds, obviously. And I can reconcile that because of that, because of everything she's been through. And we're looking at, you know, 24 years since uh, 24 to 25 years since the end of the Clone Wars. Yeah. And that's why I'm okay with it. Yeah. It makes sense because of where she's been, you know, especially at the end of the Clone Wars season seven and with the Martez sisters and then with Maul, the whole bit that she's grown a lot and she's seen a lot more of the galaxy and it's changed her view of what needs to be done. And it's not jaded her, but it certainly has brought her down to earth from what she expected, from my opinion, at least what Jedi Order was. Uh, as yeah. opposed to what she was expected to do. Well, she's that linchpin, right? She her services have to be very delicately used. You can't just mm-hmm. help everyone, and that's mm-hmm. what's right. That's the great tragedy of the Jedi, right? Like you cannot help everyone, but you, right. who you do help has to be strategic. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that we're going to see that with yeah. uh, not obviously in that episode. She's she's looking for Thrawn, but she's also looking for Ezra. And we know that, or we. Right. They are supposed to be together at least at yeah. this point. I think that's right? why she's looking went. for Thrawn, though. Yeah, I yes. think I think you I think yeah. you have more people that know Thrawn than that do. know Ezra, uh, because yeah. Ezra right. was an orphan, right? And the only people he knew were the Ghost Crew, right? Mm-hmm. So the Ghost Crew doesn't know where he is. So right. who else is there to ask? Not yeah. really anyone. Thrawn. Yeah. And so, I think she's still protecting Ezra too, and the yeah. fact that he's a Jedi and doesn't want that to get out. No, that's true. Okay. Yeah, they, that, that's a big point. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And do we get a live action Thrawn in the Ahsoka series? Okay, I don't like the deal in absolutes. <laughs> we do. And, we and do. can it be played by Lucius Malfoy? Oh, Jason Isaacs. Oh, my gosh. The, uh, the Grand Inquisitor himself. Wow. Yeah. He wanted to. He wanted, well, he didn't want Thrawn, but he wanted He wanted the Grand Inquisitor. He didn't get it. Well, Could he uh-huh. get Thrawn? Because I know it's Lars, or Lars, what am I Lars, saying? Yeah, uh, Lars brother. Mickelson. It's his brother, though, that plays mm-hmm. the voice. Is it? Who is Mickelson from Rogue One? That's the guy from Casino Royale. Matt, it's uh, Matt. Max. Are they all the same family? I mean, because, I mean, yeah. the brothers. Oh, my the God. Brothers, yeah. I mean, Talk about so a talented La- I family. Think Lars, I think right? Lars Mickelson is, is is the voice. The voice of Thrawn. Thrawn. Yeah. So it might be him, but I... Okay, then who's, I the, who's the clown from It? One of the Mickelson. Yeah, there's another that's Mickelson. The youngest that's, one. Uh, the Scar- that's, no, that's uh, Bill Skarsgård. Oh, Skarsgård, yeah. Oh, different family. Not a Mickelson. Yeah. Skarsgård. Yeah, there's yeah. Phil Mickelson. Monty using Capulets. Don't worry. <laughs> Monty <laughs> using Capulets. <laughs> You're talking Hatfields and McCoys here, buddy. Come on. 
No, but can Lucius Malfoy be something in Star Wars? He would be and a good should, should, should I'm not gone. in charge of the decisions, clearly. We've been ad nauseum between our shows. And I can hair. tell you, I don't make the decisions around him. Thrawn grew his hair out while he was gone, and that's why Lucius Malfoy. <laughs> well, he didn't so much do it intentionally, but like... He doesn't trust Ezra to cut it with that saber. That's, no, that's for sure. There's that thing of Thrawn. Oh, there's remember the Thrawn comic and the, then the book, and he's got the long hair. Oh well, yes, what about true. Heir to the Empire Legends stuff? Can yeah. they take a bit of that stuff with Thrawn's story and then tie it into the sequel trilogy? They could easily do that. They've done that. Really they've they've done really some good. little plucks and pieces of yeah. uh, EU and brought it into canon. I mean that. Yeah. Filoni and Favreau have built part of their entire lore on doing that and appeasing not just the canon fans but also eu fans like you said there there's a large section of people that love legends that that were not happy when when disney was like eh, doesn't exist yeah there's so many stories yep. there that are and obviously they did pluck stuff like clone palpatine that came from legends yep. a lot of stuff like that. the whole luke skywalker being a total badass you know you don't know you about don't, that if you, you watch the sequel shows the... yeah. Wait, are we talking about Luke or Luke? Not Luke, <laughs> but Luke. Okay, gotcha. Luke, Luke that goes through and makes ceviche of all those death troopers. <laughs> yes. Ceviche! <laughs> oh, man. Mary, prior to recently, was not the biggest Luke fan because you see original trilogy Luke and jumps to sequel trilogy Luke, and you're like, he threw the lightsaber? First off, that's, that's sacrilege, but... Um, <laughs> And You're you just gonna don't bend get... the blade, right? Right. The graphics—that's <laughs> very that? expensive, but but you don't realize why he became right the most powerful Jedi. You don't realize. You need that story told. I feel like in live action, and versus... I feel like that's kind of what they're peppering in. I'm hoping we get a uh, telekinetic thirty lightsabers I... somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> like a fight with Adalok would be pretty cool. Something like that. Maybe I'm wishful thinking at this point. I think that what we've seen in The Mandalorian with his focus and in Book of Boba Fett with his mastery of the Force, um, I think that you're really getting glimpses of him, maybe not at Grandmaster level, but really rapidly approaching it. Mm. From where he ended with Return of the Jedi to six years later, conversing with Grogu and just hopping him along as they're talking and not thinking about it, where... On Dagobah, he's like struggling to pick up a rock. So, you know, it's... Right. Big change, big change. Right. He's at the top end of that learning curve, I think. And yeah. all the he knows all the basics. And he's just expanding upon them in this time frame. And I think he's very close to being that... I don't know if they'll ever do the EU-level badassery, Luke. But I think you'll get a lot more of a powerful Luke than we've ever seen in live action. That's what I would like to see is because Luke is generally the most fans regarded as the, as the strongest Jedi ever. I would like to see something that depicts that because yep. what we see through yeah. film with Jedi and, and even Sith, I mean, you don't, there isn't anything that stands apart. There isn't much um, right. that's even really sets Jedi apart. Take a look at any movie and like, you're not seeing a whole lot that makes anyone better than anybody else like yoda couldn't beat dooku like couldn't could, the emperor couldn't beat yoda like uh, just, just various things like that the only thing that was convincing was mace windu being the emperor you know but yeah. um it'd be cool to see some power that's like i've never seen that before other than like, steel, like whatever but 
there was all this EU type talk of how much of a badass Boba Fett was. And I never bought it because, you know, you have all this EU stuff that's like George basically rubber stamped everything that came across his desk. Yes. So it's like everybody telling these stories. And you're like the, the buy in was really tough for me having seen what I saw on screen. So the way that he bitched out by a blind Han Solo knocking him off the skiff, you know, it's like, okay, this guy's the most badass bounty hunter in the guy. Okay. All right. Um, so I did not much care for him. I didn't believe it. And I didn't really like all the reverence that he was mm. getting from all these like EU fans of his. So that changed with Book of Boba Fett. Mm. And and the Mandalorian, of course, when when he kind of showed up there and was a badass. So they absolutely have the power and the storytelling to be able to turn someone like me who thought he was a punk into badass bounty hunter Boba Fett. Luke is like lame and kind of, you know, a loser in the in the sequel trilogy. Okay, well, they have the opportunity to show him in his prime and convince those people that Luke was awesome. Yeah, he's going to use Emerald Lightning. It will happen. Ooh, all right. I was going to say, did you think Bo- uh, Boba was a punk from Clone Wars? Uh, I thought he was I thought he was a bratty kid that was trying to prove himself. Mm-hmm. Okay, I and, agree with and that. when you grow up like he did, where you don't have a father because, you know, he got sliced and diced um so i mean technically you have his head maybe but anyway um so serious wash job on that helmet by the way um well it's cauterized we should be okay it should be Um, cauterized you're right right that's true so he fell in with the wrong crowd and you know he's he's a teenager that's up to no good get they get a lot of skills Bounty hunter, useful skills, of course. Yeah. But at that point, he was still like to me. I was like, he's a street rat. He's basically Aladdin with a jetpack. Okay. <laughs> but he was a natural born leader. I mean, look at the yeah. roster of characters that he had following him. Mm-hmm. But let me wrap around and bring it back to Ahsoka, who we're supposed to be talking about tonight. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Once we see her after Rebels, fast forward to the Mandalorian. And suddenly now she's been identified by Bo-Katan, which, of course, we see her allegiance with in the uh, season seven. And she tells the Mandalorian, hey, look, go find Ahsoka Tano. An episode d- directed by Dave Filoni. Needless to say. Of course. Yeah. Right. It had to be. We have not seen this character ever since, what, 2015? 2016 when the last episode of rebels aired and that's why i said before that it's a very risky character that he introduced spend seven seasons in an animated show and pop out and be outside of any of the filmed entertainment now to pop up in the mandalorian which was brilliantly played i i cannot stress that enough is that how well this entire story ended up seamlessly being put together But you cannot tell me in 2008 that when the Clone War started, that he knew that Disney Plus was going to exist in 10, 15 years, that he was going to be able to finish her arc and bring around 
all of these different characters, Boba Fett and the Mandalorian and uh, the Bounty Hunters, uh, Bo-Katan, all these characters that were introduced, there's no way he knew that. So it was extremely risky, but man, did it ever pay off. Yeah, I mean, he wouldn't have known that without at least uh, 1.21 gigawatts. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God uh, Doc Brown's going to be in season three of Mandalorian. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> Great Scott. <laughs> and what is he going to be? I love seeing all the stuff on the internet about what he's going to be. It just, it makes me happy. It makes me happy. I keep seeing, I saw this image where it was um, whatever episode in um, the book of Boba Fett where Mando's flying the Naboo starfighter and he's looking back at the Rodian, but it's not the Rodian. It's, it's Doc Brown. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> makes me so oh, happy. <laughs> No, but wasn't that episode of Ahsoka in The Mandalorian, like, when the two lightsabers turned on and just the scene of it all and how it was directed and how, you know, she came upon the screen, it, like, gave me chills. It was so amazing to just see the lightsabers Mm -hmm. turn on, see her in live action, because you knew you were getting a Jedi. You know, you had an inkling but when you got Ahsoka, it was just... I didn't know who else it would be. I was like, who else? I mean, I thought it was going to be Plo Koon. Well, because all the lead-up was. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Pat had texted me that morning. We were literally driving up to uh, Tennessee to go to my wife's graduation for her master's degree. And I was in a van driving up there. And Pat had texted me, have you watched the episode yet? And I, w- I slept through the night. So my wife was during the overnight uh, driving. I was like, no, I just literally woke up. I haven't seen it yet. He goes, you have to watch this episode. And I said, no. which one? Well, dude, the next one. I, <laughs> I was like half asleep. It's called The Jedi. Watch it. Download it. And I was in a car watching this and on a phone. <laughs> and I lost my mind when wasn't just about her sabers it was about it's a single saber and then she pulled them apart and it was two and i'm like yeah oh my god yeah and you see that and it was in rebels or season seven you see her do that yeah yeah Yeah. and i think it was out of sign i said what's going on i said never mind it's ahsoka and she's like (laughs) whatever yeah don't worry about (laughs) it and holy moly what an episode i mean watching on a phone of course doesn't do it justice on uh you know for this entire story but you get enough of it but when I watched it again on a large screen, it's like sitting there and just absorbing how awesome this character was in live action. And there's nothing like that feeling in these most recent live action Star Wars series of it's Dave Filoni. Let's be honest, Dave Filoni bringing beloved animated characters to live action. Mm-hmm. You seeing it for that very first time. It's not the same when you rewatch it necessarily, but that feeling you get, like that first millisecond, it's like I saw Cat Bane. Yeah, like all, yeah, all those right. things. I was like, I can't describe it. Yeah, just can't describe it. That's that anticipation that you mm-hmm. get. Mm-hmm. And when we say Bo-Katan for the first time in live action, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, that's so cool. You know what I mean? And it's like ripped from the show into live action. And then they're done so incredibly well that it's going to be exciting to see Thrawn and to see Hondo and, and everyone else that we've watched <laughs> in live action. Be fantastic. I do yeah. think, though, that this has become part of the thing that they're doing is who's the next animated character we see in live action? That's like yeah. part of it now. You know, who's the next big reveal? Yep. 
And not only that, but then, you know, the storytelling that, that lends itself organically to those characters. Right. You know? mm-hmm. So when you got this Mandalorian that's looking for his people and there's there's Mandalorians here. OK, so I'll follow them. Oh, oh, it happens to be Bo-Katan. It, it makes sense. It's perfect. Yeah. And then, yeah. oh, I've got this little guy that is supposed to be trained by the Jedi. Oh, the Jedi. I know a Jedi. And then to Ahsoka. So you have these sort of seamless transitions based on the history from the animated series that the story kind of you head off in one direction and then it kind of unfolds for you with you know this character makes this choice and then meets that person and then this opens up yeah right and we need to get sabine we will we will get a live action sabine Sabine. we'll get sabine i think in the ahsoka series because i think we get sabine and ezra what i had said to charles a while ago when they were talking about putting Ahsoka in Mandalorian. Mm. I said, well, it's the Mandalorian. It's not the Ahsoka show. So, and this is back before we even knew there was going to be Ahsoka, Ahsoka show. Yeah. So, so I said, they've got to find her while she still has a mission to do. Like he gets himself into some hot water, maybe with Moff Gideon and Gideon's got the dark saber and he's got him backed up against the corner. And this is my like, my thought that would happen was Gideon's got him backed up against the corner with the dark saber and he's about to swing down on him and she jumps between him and blocks it. And and then we've been like, all right, cool. You know, so she's here. She's saving because you can't block a dark saber without a lightsaber or some shiny metal stick. I don't know. So, um, <laughs> so, so, so basically then it was like, well, now you've got her and she's such a fan favorite. You have to get rid of her because it's not the Ahsoka show. Right. And it doesn't really make sense for her to hang out with some random Mandalorian. No, so you got to prove yeah. that they don't have to do that. Exactly. So, so that way you can introduce her, have her in there, test her out for her theory, and then still have that mission that's important to her, right. which is finding Ezra and Thrawn. And then that's her out to get this show back to Mando and that show to be her story. We've seen that Dave Filoni and Jon Favreau have the ability to be able to introduce a character, make them an essential part of the plot and pull them out while still making 100% sense with the entire storyline that's going on. It helps when Star Wars nerds make Star Wars. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That is true. Before we get on to the next part, we're going to take a quick break here and we'll get back and we'll start talking about the second part of The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett. Has the Empire seized your moisture farm? Has the Empire reprogrammed your droids without your knowledge? Has the Empire taken your speeder? Well, you're in luck. I'm Mondo Onaka of Onaka and Melch, attorneys at law. We'll get what you deserve from the Empire. And you'll get something too. All right, and we are back. Thank you for our sponsors. So just before the break, we were basically up at the Mandalorian and with Ahsoka appearing in the Jedi episode and how awesome that was and the visuals and the stoicness of her character. But it's very interesting to think about where she was as a character and 
how she wasn't what the Mandalorian was expecting as a Jedi because she no. rejected the training of Grogu because of what she had experienced and how heavy that was when you saw that. It's like, oh my gosh. And some of those lines that we saw in that episode really defined her as a character and also brought her experiences to the forefront. It's like, I'm off. I'm not, I'm not doing this because I saw what happens and I don't want any part of it. And isn't it a funny um, parallel to Yoda saying that Anakin has too strong of attachments when he got Ahsoka as a Padawan? There you go. There you go. And That's then fantastic. she did not want to take on Grogu because of Grogu's strong attachment. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are those are some deep parallels, and I they're their own purpose. Filoni was in charge of both of those. Oh so, yes, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Very very well thought out and. I just love that Star Wars, you know, you can look at it from one side and and you can talk like Palpatine and say this dogmatic attachment thing, which I agree with. Um, But, man, they took that and they used it so well because they insert that everywhere and you Mm -hmm. get instant memories of Anakin. Like I have instant, every time I hear that anywhere, I'm like, Anakin fall into the dark side, Anakin fall into the dark side. And and that is a pivotal moment in so many people's lives across the Star Wars universe. And it affects everyone. You know, it, you saw how it affected Obi-Wan in his hut on Tatooine when he's talking to Luke about how he lost his pupil, his his great friend, his brother. And, you know, and then you, you see, you know, how Yoda was let down by it. And also it makes perfect sense that she would be have been devastated by it and then cautious afterwards Absolutely. because mm-hmm. of that. And rightfully so. I mean, that, that is the catalyst forever. I mean, the entire galaxy, that event. And if you look then at, I, I would say, the hubris of the Jedi Order, where they have the thought that they can solve any problem, mm-hmm. you have Ahsoka understood the weight of that decision, and she backed off. Like, and again, proving just how of an important Jedi example she is, or a gray Jedi, whatever you want to call her. She right. knew that there was a threat and she even said, literally in the show, I'm not going to uh, threaten this child with the potential path uh, of the attachment that he has to you and what that could do. Because I've seen the best of us and the absolute best of us fall to the dark side. And she was hands off. Mm-hmm. And as dissing as that was, it was ultimately the right decision because she didn't have that hubris about her. She didn't have the... Oh, I can solve any problem. No, no. She was a pragmatist. Right. She she was a realist. And that's really, again, puts her on a pedestal of like, wow. I know. Right, right there the, with, the, with Qui-Gon. I mean, why? Gosh, how awesome is that? that is so, so wise. Cool. And I would love, I don't know how it could happen, um, but I would love to see Qui-Gon speak to Ahsoka. Oh, can you imagine? I would love that. I really would. She embodies so much of him, too. Yep. You know, where... Obviously, Qui-Gon taught Obi-Wan, and a bit of what Qui-Gon taught Obi-Wan kind of skipped a generation, right? <laughs> and and, uh, and then it ends up in Ahsoka. So, yeah. You know? It's crazy. I bet, bet Qui-Gon's just sitting there like, damn, I didn't expect all that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but I think right. in her old wise one, if we call her old wise one right now, I, in her way, she still... In Book of Boba Fett, when we got the glorious episode that was uh, 
Luke training Grogu, she did still show up and make sure that things were going okay, that, you know, she was still keeping a watchful eye over the situation, which Mm -hmm. um, I think really shows to her character that she was going to back off and not do it. But if if that was Luke and that was Luke's path, she was going to ensure that she'd be there to help in any way. And that just, again, embodies who Ahsoka is. And those references to Anakin in conversation, those are awesome, too. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing is she spent so much time with him and with the good him. And Luke never knew Anakin. Right. So, you know, to have the ability to impart that experience, those lived experiences that she had with Anakin's son to kind of flesh out who his father was before he was this, you know, galactic menace and um, to really honor him in that way, Anakin in that way that she passed on, you know, who he was and what he stood for. And even, even more than Obi-Wan did in his brief talk about Anakin and with, with Luke, you'd get that sort of intimate firsthand knowledge from her that could really bring some closure in Luke's mind about who his dad was. Yeah. I think there's a piece of Luke that he understood, but he was upset with Obi-Wan that Obi-Wan wasn't willing to tell him that, you know, the truth. And I hate for Obi-Wan to be put on the spot. Like, Hey, who was dad? Just out of curiosity. Who was my dad? You know, and uh, don't worry uh, about it. That's a terrible, that's a terrible <laughs> thing for Obi-Wan to have to go through. Yeah. Honestly. Uh, you know? he, uh, he was a good, good guy. It's a goodish guy. They shouldn't have sent me to kill Green. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Hello there. (laughs) Oh, man. Ahsoka in the Book of Boba Fett. And when she appears with Luke and the weight of that scene, like you're saying, Mary, where uh, the history that they have with Anakin, I'm talking about. And it goes back to your episode, part one, where uh, the world between worlds and Ahsoka battling vader at this point before ezra you know um sort of uh pulls her out of there and correct me if i'm wrong i I didn't actually watch the episode but isn't there one point where his uh mask is fractured and she sees his eye she sees anakin right he's not you don't hear that's when he says ahsoka so it's not darth vader right it's and it's matt lanter's voice yeah with a with just a little bit of robot to it yeah so she sees that and of course we're talking about dave filoni he knows that full well when she says those lines you know i'm a friend of the family the the weight oh my gosh the weight behind that line the not the abandonment but the sort of the standoffishness again with grogu is based on love but like you said she's present she's there to make sure that things are on the right path and from the sequel trilogy itself, we know that Grogu is not part of it, you know, in the same way that the original trilogy, where's Ahsoka? Uh, who knows? But Disney, I think, is going to be invested in trying to tie all these storylines together. And if they can make it successful, whether it's through film, animation and books, that's probably what's going to happen. I'm assuming there'll be film. I, I, I do. I think that it would be a wonderful opportunity for them to bring all of these characters to the big screen. I, I don't know what that looks like. But that would be the ultimate giving the fans what they want. Yeah, the beauty of it yeah. is that they can 
they can do whatever they want with it. Mm-hmm. You know, the timeline will lead to that. Mm-hmm. And with the production value of these projects, seeing that on a theater screen would be out of control. Because oh yeah. they've taken television series oh, quality to a whole my level. Gosh. Oh, my and gosh. They stretch that dollar, that's for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All these people that didn't Jaren's meeting, like, do you think he's got an autograph book? He just carries it around. Like, <laughs> Ahsoka, Luke. <laughs> Who else? He's like trying to take selfies with his calm. Right. With these people. Like he meets Maul because Maul can't die, obviously. <laughs> right. Yeah. And the book is shoved like behind Grogu and that little yes. uh, like little side bag he's got. Like, yes. Yeah. Just like an old fashioned Disney, you know, autograph <laughs> book. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's like, oh, I've heard of this person. <laughs> so, you know, there, there's not a whole lot that um, that we didn't touch with. The Mandalorian we, and Book of Boba Fett. Can we go back to Boba Fett and just say how R2's been through it all, too? And the scene of R2 being there when the Mandalorian lands and R2 getting Ahsoka versus getting Luke. I Same. love it. So Ahsoka, Ahsoka and R2 have a, a great bond, too. r 2 you know, Absolutely. I'm so happy she didn't say that. She is so attached <laughs> to R2. Yeah. Just, I mean... Yeah. Well, she, that mirrors her seeing him in season seven, you know, the yes. touch. Yeah. Yeah. And and the audience reaction to R2, the Mandalorian season two finale. Yes. Right. Yes. So it's like, oh, well, oh, this is, here's this Jedi. Oh, it's Luke. Oh, and there's R2. You know, it's like, it's, it's that same cool, like, oh, they brought him in, you know? That feeling. It's just like, if yeah, R2 your chest, could just you know? reveal all of his secrets. Yeah. Like, let's, oh he, my gosh. Oh. He's got to have some serious therapy. Let's be honest. <laughs> you know, it, data banks oh. are full. He was on Mustafar. He was like, <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> poor guy. Oh, You'd man. expect him to be a little more like Chopper, but he's more balanced. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, Chopper, uh, if Chopper could talk in in like English, it would be nothing but curse words. Oh yeah, we put a poll out in, uh, on Twitter that like it was <laughs> one to one, two to one, or three thousand seven hundred twenty to one for curse words. Yes. <laughs> yes, and that's him. That's him for sure. He's by far my favorite droid. I love R two, oh, but I love Chopper. Oh, he's our spirit droid. <laughs> He yeah. is he's so scrappy. Is. He's so scrappy, and yep. I just love him. Yes. <laughs> we want that. The we attitude. Want that. He's just so expensive now. I don't have him yeah. for that reason. <laughs> he's our Italian grandfather. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Exactly. He totally is. <laughs> yep. Oh, yep. Man. Uh, he's fantastic. Um, But I want to know, I think we all want to know, um, what what we're going to get from the Ahsoka series? Mm, yeah. Well, and do we see and, her in the Obi Wan series? That's a that's an important Well, question. I want to ask Mary what you think we'll see next from the character Ahsoka, and what you hope to see. Nice. From her in future projects i don't think we get her an obi-wan as much as i want her to be in every series because <laughs> I love her. can she just show up in every single episode up everywhere Boba, right? so, um yeah. can she just be all of star wars uh <laughs> is that my hope okay um i think we're gonna see her in her own series 
or maybe possibly Mandalorian season three. Um, but in her series, she's going to be on the quest of finding Thrawn, finding Ezra. We're going to have Sabine and um, it's going to be a, a new Ahsoka that we really haven't seen before. Um, the old wise one, but in more action. So her having to fight a little bit more than we more like the first episode we got of the Mandalorian of the Jedi, her fighting. I, I want to see that. All right, cool. What about you, David? What are you looking for? Man, I really want to see some like flashback Clone Wars stuff, um, uh... which that'll beg the question of Ashley Eckstein, of course. Um, that's a rabbit hole we already explored. But I really would love to see some campfire stories with Luke where they discuss Anakin. I want to see them celebrate Anakin. The, the, for the good he was because I think at the end of the day he was still the balance and I think that to certain people he'll re- be remembered as Darth Vader he'll be that terrible person who destroyed the, the galaxy but to those in the know he was a good person and I would love to see that and I would love to see that exposition where they where they where Ahsoka is now the old wise one to Luke and telling him hey here's what your father was like since you don't have any idea like you said earlier um but I they could go in any direction with future future content that's not announced. I'm, I don't know. I, I mean, they have a wonderful set of characters that they've really taken the time to build an arc with. Mm-hmm. And this, this could go anywhere, and they're not limited by anything. So who knows? This could be the next trilogy. And I know there's several films on the horizon, potentially, but it could be. Nice. I like the idea of them crossing over from streaming series to to the big screen bad guys going to be you know are we going to use the sith are you going to see see something different because you know you might jedi enemy so i don't know if we need to be having the mandalorians and all these other characters dealing with sith you know in my eyes that wouldn't be fair i think you need to have like ahsoka or said future jedi if they restart the order um or like yeah use on vong i don't know yeah yeah you could start crossing the legends i would love to see some of that stuff that'd be really cool that would mm-hmm. be awesome. There's so much content there. I mean, you could go. Where was Darth Crate at? What era? That's way later. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you could start exploring that stuff. I don't know. Yeah, interesting. There's there's a lot to play with there, and I think, especially for merchandising. I mean, look, we've already sold a billion Galactic Snack and Grogu's, so um, yeah, they're gonna sell a ton. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> Galactic Snack Grogu. <laughs> So and just to, to reach more girls, you know, mm-hmm. how Ray has be- become like this character that the young girls want to be. And uh-huh. I think that could be a Ahsoka for mm-hmm. this new generation of Star Wars mm-hmm. fans coming up. If you did put out another tr- trilogy oh, yeah. out there with a, Ahsoka and have another female, strong female lead, it would be really cool. What if she restarts the order? What if Ahsoka does? Yeah. A fun, yeah. That's a fun what if. I know that everybody thinks that that's going to be Ray, but they're going to those those paths are going to cross. I guarantee it. Oh yeah, that yeah. will happen. Um, whether that's anytime soon or not, that that's where this is going. I think they have to tie this into the, the sequel trilogy more. Yeah, yeah. And as the seasons march on for these series, I think they are planting some seeds. Yeah, yeah. So that you are you you could be surprised when it happens, 
But then when you look back on it, you can say, oh, I can see where they started laying the groundwork for this. And and I hope that they, um, you know, and I'm not here to bash the sequel trilogy any more than I normally do. But um, (laughs) it'd be really awesome if they took this opportunity to develop the backstory of the sequel trilogy through this medium. I think that'd be a really cool thing to add some backstory. Like if we're going to restart the order with Ray, maybe we, maybe we learn how she became so powerful. Maybe something like that. I don't know. You know, like we, we see some stuff like that. That'd be really cool. Yeah. And then I'd probably respect the sequel trilogy more. Hmm. Or maybe not. Or maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. They killed Han. They did. I know what I have to do. I just I can't, I can't do it. Alone. <laughs> then don't do it. <laughs> then don't do it. <laughs> Walk away. <laughs> Oh, no. man, I've been mad at that little brat Kylo ever since. <laughs> he, he needs therapy, too. He gets really angry. Oh, yeah. Charles, what do you want to see from Ahsoka going forward? I would really like to see her somehow in a flashback, I don't know, deal with Barriss Offrey. She shafted her from the Jedi Order. The Jedi Order didn't do much to protect her or support her, uh, aside from Anakin. But Barris, who's still alive at this point, we don't know what's going on with her. Um, it'll be very interesting to see what she would deal with her. Now, that sort of convolutes the timeline, what we think what Ahsoka series is going to be about, because we think it's going to be about Ezra and Thrawn. And when you say dealing with, what is implied? Um, uh, I don't well. necessarily say <laughs> killing, because I don't think that is ultimately... She wouldn't do that. No, exactly. That's not Ahsoka's that. character. But I would... Sorry, like Pitt. <laughs> oh. we know that doesn't mean certain death it doesn't um yes. coming to an understanding because what barris's driving force about the jedi order is not very dissimilar to what right. ahsoka ended up sort of realizing about the jedi order itself so there's there's a common ground in there and mm-hmm. uh, while barris's actions certainly didn't you know mirror that i think there's a a a point of peace that they could come to and that's that'd be interesting to see what that could be so that'd be just a sort of interesting sideline that i'd like to sort of see be super cool that would be actually because yeah she gets arrested obviously taken away yeah she probably got a really uneventful order 66 death where like the clones just opened her cell door and shot her but (laughs) (laughs) or i mean that's that's totally possible that could be what that story is about like where she has a flashback uh-huh. and she sees, oh, Barris is was killed in Order 66, which is a completely legitimate storyline, but we don't she know escaped. that yet. Yeah. She could have escaped. I don't right. know. She obviously overpowered Asaz Ventress. So I don't yep. know. Yeah. And she, hey, she held her own against Anakin. Which disappointed me. I'll be honest. That is one thing about the Clone Wars that frustrates me. You well, know these certain yes. that are so much more powerful than yes. they're with. I know they have to do it for dramatic effect. Well, I like, only the only thing I'll say about that is that. Anakin probably wanted to bring her to trial. So that's why he was like pulling punches. That's the only yeah, reason yeah, why yeah, yeah, he didn't yeah. just force choke her, uh, you know, and, and channel the dark side within a second <laughs> to uh, overpower her. Because that's how it ends, obviously. Yes, he could have exactly. just done that at the beginning. Yeah, and fine. But... He just slams her against a Jedi tree and she's like, ah. <laughs> but uh, ultimately he was trying to protect Ahsoka. And that's the only right. reason why that Barris is still alive is because of that. He couldn't kill the evidence. Exactly. Exactly. That's problematic. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, having, yeah. So going through that, I think that's um, 
that's a great point. I, ne- I actually didn't really think about that, uh, David. Like you said, like she could have been just like, oh, open the cell door, pew pew, and she said, right. next. <laughs> there's next there's Paris's yeah. story. Next yeah. Oh, so dramatic. Oh, she's just taken down by uh, uh, E11, you know? Yeah, yeah. Tim. <laughs> Tim. Oh, that's so funny. But she she was a cool character. I actually, I actually liked her and um she could she could come back. And she wasn't wrong. That's the yes. I mean she she like Pat said in our episode played girl of warfare over yes. there yes. but uh <laughs> But if you look at and I know that we're way off topic yet again, but if you look at the fall of many Sith and she's obviously not a Sith, but you look at many not one of them that I can think of off the top of my head was wrong. Uh, they're unfortunately not right in their decision making, but they're not wrong for no. why they wanted to leave the order. Yep. They all but saw that's that's one of the strongest points of any villain, any antagonist, because it's it's so tough these days to believe someone's evil just because they're evil. Right. Okay. Right. It's so much easier to say, hey, what they think kind of makes sense. Mm. What's the disconnect is and what the difference is is in how they execute whatever their decision is so you know to have these characters that that you can kind of identify with and say hey you know they're not they're not wrong strengthens them as a villain because they have they it lends them credibility yes and that's another thing that's so compelling about maul's story that we got is you saw that but from the sith side you see the sith totally just doing the same thing with 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 their own yeah or dooku yeah, or Ventress. Ventress. Oh my gosh, Ventress. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Story is amazing. It's so yeah. Cool. What, what about I, you, Pat? What do you want to see? Yes, Pat. Oh man. Um, oh, we don't care about that. So we're on yeah. Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so Hondo. Yes, we right, Hondo. Right. I, uh, I'm okay. So I'm thinking, um, buddy cop. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so she's the. She's the good cop and he's the bad cop. And it's, it's kind of a, uh, you know, back and forth, almost like a, um, the odd couple. Type of <laughs> um, She's the muscle for Onaka transports. Let's be honest. <laughs> She's the everything for Onaka transports. Yeah. He's yes. just the prophets. Yes. Yes. Right. She's the one that has to, uh, explain his way out of everything. Yes. Um, I love her as a character and like Mary, I want more of her. Um, but I think just her, like the stuff that we saw in the Jedi episode, her opener, that was just so unique, you know, with igniting the sabers, doing some stuff and then shutting them off and disappearing again. Mm. That that sort of stealth was just really very awesome. And I, I think that's kind of how she's conducted herself to, to stay hidden. Mm. So she's very good at it at this point. Um, but or maybe not even having used lightsabers for the most part, you know, throughout the original trilogy era until the fall of the Empire, where she was able to kind of use them again. But I want to see more of that, of her just being uniquely her, you know, in 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 the way she carries herself, the way that she her like her fighting style and I think that's what I'm looking forward to the most. Um, and, you know, obviously through her show, hopefully seeing some more Rebels characters live action. I'd love to see a live action Zeb. 
Wow. Oh, that would be really cool. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I and think- Chopper. Can Chopper come? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I, mean, yeah. I expect Chopper to be there anyway. <laughs> um, but I think we'll next see her in her series. I, I don't know that there's more to be done with her in Mando or Book of Boba Fett. Um, unless there's, you know, some more Luke stuff. Yeah. Oh, that'll be a Luke series. Don't worry. Exactly. So I think that any time else we'll see her is in Ahsoka or a Luke series. But I would love to have some Clone Wars flashbacks or visions while Obi-Wan is in exile. And I don't even need her to speak. Almost like when... Ray touched the lightsaber in The Force Awakens, and you got snippets of events. Yeah. yeah. To kind yeah. of have that stuff go through Obi-Wan's head, but to see some of that stuff live action that we've seen animated yeah. would, be, would be very cool to me um, as well. And like I said, she doesn't have to talk. She can just be swinging lightsabers with direct... <laughs> Know, you know, blasting people, and I, I, and I Hond- think Hondos in the background. <laughs> Do you yeah, think we get uh, a Force Ghost of uh, Anakin? I don't think so. Hmm. No, Hayden uh, Christensen. I think a lot of the interactions that Obi Wan will have will be Force visions. I think primarily the whole bit with Hayden Christensen and Vader and all. I think most of that will be Force visions. I think that we will get um yeah, I I hope we'll get at least audio of Qui-Gon if not some visuals of Qui-Gon coming to him but I think he's very tortured by the past and I think that's kind of going to haunt him through the series hmm. and I would love to kind of see some of that backstory because there's people that watch the Disney Plus series that haven't seen Clone Wars and all. So I think it would be kind of cool to see some of those things, like even as minuscule as as in season seven of Clone Wars, when you saw Caleb Doom at that, at the table, the hologram table. Yeah. 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 And then of course, you know, in the Bad Batch, you see him as well. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, oh, so that's young Kane and the whole bit. So even just those little snippets, I think would be cool to include her in them right that is cool hey who is the offspring of canaan and hera that we get introduced to you just briefly in the end oh of- beast boy from jason. uh jason oh yeah right no yeah jason <laughs> beast boy. Yeah. <laughs> i mean i'm not wrong you're not do wrong we, at all do we know him any more than just in voice right there at the end no um nothing in canon at least that it's been defined so maybe maybe what if he's live action that'd be kind of cool that would yeah, I mean, there's headcanon for a lot of people uh, in The Rise of Skywalker where we see the ghost or at least that model ship uh, yeah. in the uh, armada that arrives on Exegol is that Hera and Jason are in that ship. Um, yeah, because General Syndulla is named in live action. So that would be another cool thing, which yeah, I mean, I, I imagine they need to like go to Ryloth. They need to go to Felucia. Um and just kind of go back to these places because they're very, very cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Somebody needs to in some right. series. In The Rise of Skywalker, when Rey 
um, gets all the messages from all the Jedi. Uh-huh. Do you think, and I'll just go around the room, starting with uh, with David, and then we'll go to Mary and Pat. Do you think that Ray's voice is one from when she's passed on? Ahsoka's the... voice? Yeah, Ahsoka's voice. Thank you. Um, do you think that she's passed on to the Force, or is she still alive, or just projecting her voice? I don't think she's passed on yet. I don't. Um, I don't think they would have done that yet, because we just... Now, granted, do you think in 2019 they knew they were going to do all this stuff? Uh, probably. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. But I don't think she's passed on yet. I think that now that we've explored, um, maybe oh. she's paying attention from afar. I do think that crossover is going to ha- I don't think she's passed on. But it's, I don't know. There's a living force and there's a cosmic force. Very cool. It's interesting. It's hard to say. Yep. What is the lifespan of a... To Garuta? I don't know. We don't know. We've only seen Shock T before, really. We don't really know much about... Yeah, I think it's slightly longer than humans. I want to say I looked it up before and it was like 120 or something is is like the max. Okay. So it's yeah, I think I want to say like their average is like somewhere in the 80, 90 range. That's if they're not smokers, right? Yeah, that kind of thing. Right. Or yeah, I mean, if they're not predisposed. Um, <laughs> Comorbidities. Yeah, well, those will get you. Exactly. Sorry, this question was for Mary. I think um, that she has not passed on yet. I think it's something that a projection of all the force wielders that really portray good, and I think she's on the top of that list of being one of the ultimate good. Nice. Pat? Oh, yes, right. (laughs) Um, I think because J.J. Abrams was approached about it and um, he stayed stayed very noncommittal as to, you know, what the story was with that. He was like, well, it is what you think it was. It's like, well, no, it's not really an answer. (laughs) However, um, I think what that means is he wasn't saying, yeah, those are all dead voices. Okay, so, I mean, leaving it open-ended like that uh, doesn't shut down the idea right. that she's alive. That non-answer was an answer in and of itself. Because if those were all the dead Jedi, then you would have said they're all the dead Jedi, you know? Right. And to, to be like, well, what did you think it meant? Well... I, I know you're you're dodging the question, but you're dodging it in a way that's that's rather obvious that that it it could be more than than just the dead, right? So I I I I want it to 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 be that she's not dead, mm. and and it's it's very feasible that she's not. So yes, <laughs> thanks, JJ. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, you are so- well. So what? <laughs> so uh, your answer is what? <laughs> what you think it was. Okay, cool. Charles, back to you. Um, when I first heard it, I think the impact hearing her voice as a quote-unquote dead Jedi meant more for the scene because it was a cosmic force sort of empowerment. Uh, but as we've seen, like Pat, you just said, you know, the Disney Plus series which you would assume at that point was at least being discussed or spoken about. But (laughs) the other side of that is that uh, we all know that the sequel trilogy did suffer from a lack of story overarching. So maybe that wasn't part of a discussion, but um, 
my heart tends to say that she's not dead and she's projecting her voice uh, through the force when it's needed and it gives her more life after and um, it's more than just their voices that they saw or we heard. I think there's more power that we didn't hear being vocalized uh, as identifiable characters as for Rey at that point. It's all the Jedi because she said, I am all the Jedi. So we heard these 10 or 12, whatever it was, voices. But I think there's more than just those that are giving her the power to ultimately mm-hmm. defeat Palpatine because he is obviously at this point the biggest and baddest enemy Sith that the turn. yeah uh, and it took all of them across the galaxy and across time and across the cosmic force to defeat him so in my mind she's not dead and i hope they explore what in the world happened in that moment yep a little more <laughs> yep because it was like you just said it you're like every jedi ever basically yes. was like channeling yeah. energy yeah. into her Let's talk about that. That yeah. sounds like some legend stuff that you guys definitely wouldn't let in. Right. So, same thing like with Palpatine. Because I mean, he's channeling <laughs> right. all the Sith. I mean, he's right. the same. You know, you know, if you if you believe what he's talking about, how he's just this one being, just sort of reincarnating at time after time, over and over again, and having all this power. Well, to have that balance, you got to have the opposite of that. And if mm-hmm. Ray right. at this point, so if, represents that, that's yeah. everybody. So if you give Palpatine the ability to not be attached to the life support, uh-huh. who, who wins? Oh, right. For sure. I don't know. I would like to have seen him more than like basically in the hospital. That would have been kind of nice. <laughs> <laughs> I hated that he was on this ventilator the whole time, basically. He's like 150 years old. And... But he's not. That's a clone body. Yeah, but the body was like 200 years old. Well, I mean, it was it, it's it had some miles on it. Okay. <laughs> Yes, serious miles. Like, like the only thing that would have helped that thing is like a new host, like from Out of Hide. Star Wars, a new host. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it is. No, that's the Emperor's whole story. (laughs) He's always like, "Do you want to be my apprentice? Do you want to be my apprentice? Do you want to be my apprentice?" You're a good-looking fellow. I could take yeah. over your but I mean, you could be my apprentice. Yeah. I do think that Disney is going to build Ahsoka's character and then combine her with Rey at some point because that will add stock and value to Rey's character where I think it lacks. And I, and I think they're going to do that. They, but timeline-wise, does that line up? It will. I mean, they can it make will, it. and then force you in there. Yeah, exactly. Like they, they made the Emperor but... come back, so... Because I'm trying to think, so... Somehow, Ahsoka so, survived. <laughs> yeah, like, Ray's timeline, she would be a lot older oh, than yeah, what we're yeah. seeing right now. Oh, yeah. But how old is she in uh, the Book of Boba? Well, that's a harder timeline to establish, I think. No, Book of Boba and Mandalorian are... Or coincide. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah. that's that's like about the same time. six years after. So how old is she then? Okay, so... The sequel trilogy is like 35 ABY. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you've got 18 years after Revenge of the Sith. So you're looking at 30, 55 um, at Revenge like of the Sith. 14. So 75, 70 something, early 70s. Yeah. So she's in a wheelchair, but she meets Ray. It's possible. But if, hey, if, if their lifespan is, you know, a hover chair. <laughs> Well, Doc Brown's making an appearance, so things are really possible with hoverboards, just saying. Hoverboards. Yeah. She's using Inquisitor lightsabers to oh. helicopter around. I like it. 
Well, so she could. It could be done. It could be done. Yes, it could be done. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, yeah. Or she could be like, um, like Max von Sydow's character in uh, Force Awakens. Right. Just yeah. Old, kind of hobbling around, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it'd be perfect for her to end her life as just the old wise one, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And if she maybe. would be the te- the like final teacher to Ray, I could see that. Yeah, maybe her Leku are kind of uh, graying a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to ask though: Is since BD BD One has appeared in live action from Jedi Ooh. Fallen Order, is Cal Kestis? I in, feel in, like Dominic Monaghan. Uh, Dominic, uh, what is it? He's got a real complicated last name. It's yeah, not. It's uh, Cameron Monaghan. Yeah. Dominic Monaghan is a Hobbit. Exactly. Sorry. That's not the one. <laughs> Cameron Monaghan. That um, Hobbit. He would love to do it. Yeah. So. Well, so he's on board if they are. Yeah, and the reason I say that is there was some rumor, again, I don't like going down that rabbit hole too much, but that there's going to be an unknown, very young Jedi that survived Order 66 that seeks out Obi-Wan in this series. And they released a name. I think that is going to be parallel wow. to how they released Plo Koon for Luke. That's just Yeah, and that's, that's what they do is a lot of times they'll have, like, code names for characters. Right. Like, this right. is Sam. <laughs> and he... <laughs> Some guy that Tim, we don't Tim. Know. <laughs> yeah, Tim, Tim, He's the guy who killed Barris Offrey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tim. He, right. he picked up an extra shift. He wasn't even supposed to do that. <laughs> he showed some really good skills, and hey, look, he hey, climbed the corporate ladder. Tight, yes. Yes. But if, if you're since the, if that rumor is in fact true, which recently some of the big rumors in Dis, in the Disney series have came true, um, and again, I'm not trying to hype it up, but. Why would you have a random Tim as opposed to Cal Kestis who survived mm-hmm. Order 66 mm-hmm. come in and find yeah. him? You know, everybody would love that. And, and this, yeah. this new hilt that came out. Exactly. The actor come out and do the release for it. Like, it all makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And BD1 just became Yeah, I think action, there was so. a guy named Cole Costis, I think is what the thing Yeah, it's, it's some, 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 I don't know, some unknown. Yeah. But they put out a casting card. Yeah, right. <laughs> they oh, called man. one guy. I don't know who it was, yeah. but they said that would got make me job. so happy. Yeah. Got to be a redhead. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it's like, it's like the description's like so descriptive, like to to Cal. And yeah. It's like this is Steve. <laughs> yes, this is Steve. He survived the purge. No, he's not. Doesn't even have a backstory. <laughs> no, no. But he looks just like this guy. Yeah. But it's not him. Don't worry about it. No, yeah, not, yeah. No, no, no. It's Plo Koon. Plo Koon. <laughs> it's Plo Koon. Oh, man. So, I guess... Um, that's Ahsoka. That, that's Ahsoka, that, that's, yeah. I mean, that's in a Ahsoka. nutshell, I guess. Uh, yeah. In a, in a nutshell, yeah. In a two-part nutshell. Very big yes. nutshell. <laughs> yes. There's just a lot to talk about. And she's, she's so loved. Well, this was fun, guys. Yes. This was super yeah. fun. Most of our listeners should know where to find us, but where can they find you guys? Yes, so we're across all the social media platforms. Um, Instagram is at Blackspire underscore broadcast. Twitter is at Spire Broadcast. And Facebook is just Blackspire Broadcast. And you can reach us at email at theblackspirebroadcast at gmail.com. Um, we'll have a website eventually. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. But I'll, uh, I'll have Charles help me with that one. Too. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We've got one. And we are yes. part of we are a part of, we are now the second newest. You are the part of the Rebel Alliance. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but we are the second newest members of the Red Five Network. And uh, we're excited to be here and meet everybody and, and, and 
you guys are the are the first podcast that we've uh, duoed with. So it's it's really awesome. It was an honor to get a chance to do this with you guys. Yeah, it's been a blast. Yes. Uh, and we'll see you on May 4th. Yeah, I want to talk about that for like uh, one minute. I'll plug that. But yeah, we're, we will be meeting up in person for the first time at um, Star Wars Park, as these two like to call it, at Hollywood Studios exactly. to do the, the lightsaber meetup on Star Wars Day, May the 4th. So that'd be pretty cool. That's fantastic. That'd yeah. be pretty cool. Yeah, I'll be excited to meet you guys. We are on the socials also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have we, Charles, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, Charles has got a website and it's conversations.com. Uh, he can respond to you on facebook.com slash conversations. He might hit you up on Instagram, conversations there, and uh, he'll tweet you back at Suations. Additionally, we have our, our link tree with our links to all our fun, good stuff. We have our podcast network, the Red Five Network. That's a bunch of great other podcasts like these fine folks so if you like us and you like them you'll probably like everybody else so check them out also listen to us like us um give us reviews smash that like button first of all (laughs) (laughs) uh rate us on the podcast stuff i guess because that helps charles i guess Uh, apple podcasts and spotify yes that does help yeah exactly uh see he gets it he knows um And I guess we'll close this out the only way we know how. The Force will be with you. And I'm no Jedi. Oh, nice. Plot twist. I like it. Wow. I like it. Did you think that up yourself? Wow. Uh, I had notes. So we have a very special section, Megan Rickards, and she is launching this April One Autistic Galaxy to raise awareness about autism. And we are so happy to have you join us to actually be the first person to take our OTQs into a really interesting space and like to thank you for coming on today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I've just been watching you guys and listening along for so long that now to finally be on here, I'm just like, Cool. (laughs) At least someone's excited. (laughs) Our first uh, question would be the understanding of autism has changed over the years. What do you think is the biggest shift? Basically just in understanding what it is exactly, because I grew up in a unique time. That is, I was born in the early 90s. And so that's when autism and the study of it was just in its infancy. So going through school, it was like, no one really knew what to do with me because I was like high functioning enough to be in with like the neurotypical crowd, like your average student, so to speak. But at the same time, it's like I still had my struggles academically. It took me a lot longer than everyone else to learn and understand things. So it was like, where do you put me to give me the best help? Because especially in school and particularly high school, when I was first starting to come into myself and become aware of what I needed, it was so hard to vocalize it because I was just so into my own zone. I wasn't sure exactly how to vocalize what I needed. It wasn't until my later years of college that I realized, oh, I either needed A, a tutor, or B, just simply more time. But sadly, school currently and college doesn't offer that unless you go a different route, and which disqualifies you for either a high school diploma and then later a college degree. 
which to me is wrong, but that's just how it is. And I'm not sure how to change that. Mm. Although it's not just me. I've obviously, especially now I've worked with other kids that are lower on the spectrum, meaning it's like you have people like me that are able to communicate and more or less function normally. Then you have other people that have trouble communicating, brushing their teeth, getting ready, that kind of thing. And this is essentially what you're doing here is raising that awareness because, as you said, for yourself, you have the the more the higher function. You can then lend a hand to those who may not have that level of function and raise awareness for those around them that they need to have that voice. Yeah, that you might not always be able to communicate what you want or what you need. Mm. Okay. How has the term spectrum helped those afflicted with the disorder? Basically, it's shown that there's a variety of autism. There's not just one type. Because the type I often see on TV is combined with um, savant syndrome, which means you're like really super hyper smart. And that's just not me. I've always been like, I guess what you'd call averagely smart. I mean, the only class in which I really excelled was English. And that's just because I enjoy writing. Whereas math, science, history, I was okay in. But uh, yeah, it was definitely more math and science that I struggled with. Like I was saying, there's not just one type of it. There's like what I've come to term uh, the artistic autistic. And then you have the more intellectual autistic, which is more what you see in the TV shows and movies and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the word spectrum really does lend itself to that because I grew up with the word autism and autistic singular one word. And it was just this type of disorder. But when the word spectrum was introduced, it certainly uh, expanded that view. And my mind's eye, I always had this sort of like almost a UV light chart that I envisioned. And this is the width of the spectrum of where someone can be on. And it really does help uh, frame the person and what they're going through with their disorder and how they are and where they are on that spectrum and how different they are throughout it. Yeah, because even among, like I said, artistic autistics, you can have two different forms of it. One can be like more higher functioning, one can be lower functioning, one can be like more into, let's say, the study of the arts. One can be more into the writing or the music of the arts. Or the same thing can be said for the more, I guess, intellectual pursuits, like your math, your science, or whatever. Very interesting. Basically, autism spectrum is as different as your neurotypical people, which is basically those that don't, I guess the easiest way to put it is, but don't have autism, or at least aren't classically like diagnosed with it. We typically see autism spectrum disorder in children, but it can develop in adults, correct? I wouldn't necessarily say develop. I'd more say diagnosed because you Uh could have it all your life, but then just look back and be like, oh, that all makes sense now. Because um, while I've never actually met people like that, I have talked to people like that online that are like, I've been diagnosed later in life. It's only within like the last probably 10, 15 years or so that it's like started to be diagnosed earlier in kids as the signs and like symptoms of it, like doesn't like to make eye contact, struggles with communicating or um, doesn't like certain textures of food or uh, certain things on their clothes. Like I said, it's a spectrum and science look for in a kid, vice an adult. Wow. It's really enlightening to find out more about it. And I think that's wonderful. First of all, that you're doing it. And before we let you go, We'd like to ask you a bonus question, as we do with the OTQs. And for you, we wanted to know if you could change one perception surrounding autism, what would that be? 
like I touched on before, just that it is a spectrum and there are different forms of it. There's not just like the savant syndrome, the super really smart types. There's also like me, the more artistic type that are more just like average. Because what's funny is I was even prior to uh, really launching my blog, I didn't know what to do with it. I was just writing because I enjoyed writing. It was um, as my mom and I were watching, I want to say it was a 2020 special one night that was talking about the more intellectual autistics that I realized that's not me. It never has been me and likely never will be me. So what can I do as a higher functioning autistic to get the word out that that's not the only type, that there's also artistic autistics. Mm. That's the one thing I would like to change. It's not just super smart. It's also the more like average and artistic types and that we're just as valuable, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Where can people find out more about the One Autistic Galaxy and the movement for the month of April and what's going to be going on with that? I have a blog out on WordPress called From an Autistic Point of View. Uh, so you can find me either on uh, WordPress at S-A-A-P-O-V. As for the movement, it can just be found at my Twitter handle, which is at S-A-P-O-V. Since this is the first year, that's just how it's starting as a grassroots movement. And if it's successful this year, I hope to have it continue for many years to come. Absolutely. And you build on that. And I'm sure you'll use that hashtag, One Autistic Galaxy. And we'll have all these links in the show notes so people can find you there and find out more and learn more about this great work that you're doing. And again, thank you so much for joining us tonight. And also, even if throughout the month of April, after this show comes out, you want to reach out and participate in some way, please just feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at F-A-A-P-O-V and let me know and we'll see what we can do. Perfect. And even if you can't participate, please feel free to use the hashtag. Right. There's 11 other months we can collaborate (laughs) on. Thank you so much.